Hey, this is Max, and this is The Uncommon Truth, in search of the church the way Jesus meant it to be. We are coming to you for the very first time from the Father's House Church in Oroville, California. And we're going to be joined by Steve Orsillo. He's the senior pastor here at the Father's House. But before we do that, I'd like to introduce to you the podcast in a little bit of a roundabout way. The podcast follows a little bit of my story, and so to start off, I'm going to tell you a bit of that. As I said, my name is Max. I'm uh, I'm from Denver, Colorado originally. I'm in my 30s. I'm married with two kids. My wife's name is Sherea, and, and we have two daughters, Jovi and Arrow. And we've got another kid on the way. So if you stay tuned for a few episodes, episode three or four, we'll probably have a gender reveal, which is super exciting. So stay tuned for that. I've been a Christian since I was 13, um, ever since I got sucked into going to youth group by free snowboarding and cute girls, and I stuck around long enough for them to introduce me to Jesus. Um, so I've been following following Jesus for about half my life already, a little bit more than that. And uh, I met my wife in Manitoba, Canada, which is, for those of you who don't know, the flat and boring part of Canada. It's not uh, It's not what you would picture. Um, and and we met at a summer camp that I eventually uh, got to serve as the director of, um, and it was absolutely my dream job. Um, I got to spend four months out of the year leading young people um, and leading kids to Jesus through things like paintball and horseback riding and zip lines and uh, canoe trips and things like that, and it was it was absolutely amazing. Um, my wife was from that area, and we settled down there. And so that was our, our life for the last 10 years, summers hanging out with kids and shooting them with paintballs and uh, making a little bit of a, a living wage on that and then kind of planning for the summers and, and doing life in our community during the rest of the year. About two years ago, uh, we visited a place called uh, the Father's House Church in Oroville, California. That's where we're coming from now. So we ended up moving, but I want to tell you the story. So a couple of years ago, my my wife's cousin was getting married. My wife's cousin was here at the Father's House Church. She was from the same community that my wife was, and my wife was in the wedding party. So we, we decided to have a nice little California vacation, came down for about a week, rented a car, and, and drove up from Sacramento to Oroville, California. And um, I thought it was going to be a relaxing, you know, picturesque week in California for me. And it, it was a great week, but it wasn't what I imagined. My first impressions of of Oroville and the Father's House Church were formed around 1030 at night as we were trying to find our way to this church um, in the dark. Uh, we didn't have cell phone service because our phones were uh, Canadian, so we didn't want to turn them on. And, and so we were trying to find our way based on on these uh, maps, like paper maps and atlases that we had. And uh, at one point we stopped in Southside, pretty close to where the church is, but we didn't know it yet. And uh, and it was a really rough neighborhood. We stopped at a stop sign. I was thinking about asking somebody for directions, and I heard a strange noise. It was like a clattering, a really weird clattering noise. And, and I look around, and I, like I locked the doors, and I'm looking around, and here comes a guy riding his bike. And I couldn't figure out what the noise was until I realized his bike had no tires. And it was just a big shock to see that in in California. Not not like we're in Mexico or India or anything like that. Um, 
but it was at that point that we realized that we were <laughs> we weren't in Canada anymore and and that set up kind of the rest of our week because the church was founded on purpose in this neighborhood and, and their whole goal was to to take this neighborhood which was just infamously bad and, and turn it into a thriving community as we got settled in we just kept getting more and more surprised by the place we found ourselves in the first the first part was we were having fun um, I, I was used to having fun in my job as a camp director but I wasn't really used to having fun with normal everyday Christians um, doing normal everyday Christian things and it was it was a lot of fun we uh, we had a, a guy's softball night for the groom's bachelor party and it wasn't your normal bachelor party with with all sorts of you know cigars and alcohol and stuff like that um, we rented out a, a softball field and we played we played some baseball in the middle of the night with a bunch of guys and uh, there were so many guys that were were showing up for this groom that I was like man I, I didn't know you could have so many close guy friends like we we had enough for three teams which in in our small community and, and in other church communities I'd been in um, that that community wasn't really something I was experiencing. Uh, of course, outside of the the two months of summer camp that that I was used to, the level of sacrifice that the the other church members showed the bride and groom that week, uh, it seemed like the whole church was working on on setting up this wedding. And by the whole church, I mean like around 50 people, uh, everyone from like the senior pastor and his wife to uh, the associate pastors and executive staff and, and interns of the, the program, they were, uh, they were all, you know, decorating things and, and working on photography and setup and cleaning and, and food. And it was, it was all a, a team effort. And they weren't charging anything for it, which uh, that was everybody's first question. How much is this costing? But it was actually a, a family event. And that, that was a huge surprise for us. And, and it just felt so organic and, and so cool. And all the way up through the actual wedding, which um, it, it rained on the day of the wedding. Northern California has some really weird weather where it, it can rain almost every day for a few months and then it won't rain for the rest of the year and and they got the first first day of the rainy season so they had to change the venue at the last minute from an outdoor venue to inside the church and even though i knew that all these 50 so members of the church team got together and and made it come off without a hitch uh besides the actual hitch of the wedding and and it was just amazing the the level of dedication that these people showed uh, the bride and the groom and and they showed us as well. They they made us feel so welcome and, and a part of the team. So anyway, uh, that Sunday we had decided instead of going to church, we had decided since we were in California, we were going to go visit Yosemite National Park or Redwood National Park to see the big trees um, and make the most of our trip. But it was raining the morning we woke up. So uh, the parks we, we wanted to visit, we didn't think would be very much fun in the rain. And they're a few hours away, so we decided to be good Christians and, and come to church. And uh, that was kind of the tipping point for us. It, it started things off on the trajectory that ended up with me here at the church starting a podcast. What we experienced that Sunday was so different from what we we had normally experienced in church our whole lives. Myself in many different churches and my wife in, in the church she grew up in. 
what we felt was seen and heard from the minute we walked in. People prayed for us specifically and spontaneously by name, and they were people we didn't even really know, but they came up and, and they felt like they needed to tell us something, um, and they prayed with us, and it was it was life-changing. The general atmosphere was people enjoying themselves in church and, and um, coming early and staying late. And we had remembered at points in our life trying to stay in the car as long as possible before going into church. And that was exactly the opposite at the Father's house. Uh, when it came came time for the teaching, it was really basic. It was preaching straight out of the book of Matthew um, about Jesus, and it was just plain and powerful. Um, and And the scripture really came alive. It was challenging. It was... Um, it was encouraging. It was. It just left us feeling amazing. The place itself, outside of the four walls of the church, was was really different too. So we found out that the church operated a school of transformation, a six month school that could go up to all the way up to four years for people doing an internship in discipleship and um, learning about biblical salvation, how to actually be Christ-like in the world and and real discipleship, mentorship, and accountability, uh, which are all kind of catchphrases in the North American church, but things that were actually being lived out on a daily basis at the Father's house. So uh, that Sunday, we we kind of looked at each other like, oh no, I think we might have to come back here and check this out. Um, We had spent a week hanging out and having fun and building a few relationships, but we realized that we, we actually wanted to know more about how this place was was doing what it was doing and and what these people had is a classic I want what you have sort of moment and and I want to know how to get it for myself so um, we came back and we did uh, we did a week just to see what it was like and we we came during their mud run week that that the gym the the Lord's gym that's uh, a lot of the people at the church volunteer for we helped them set up for that and it was it was amazing uh, we saw the the whole body of the church, every single person serving outside of the walls of the church, people lived in community together, which was which is something I'd always wanted to see happen. And we're not talking about college students. We're not talking about like YWAM, gap year type of thing, but people of all ages from, you know, 18 to mid 70s living in community together and depending on each other in a way that that was it just it prioritized the community over the individual and it and it was impossible to hide struggles and, and impossible not to share victories and I really saw for the first time what what the saying the body of Christ was supposed to be uh, I saw it in action and it was awesome and we saw Christians experiencing God the same way that I had said I was experiencing God but I I guess I didn't really know it um, I didn't really know what that was like so as part of the the church's life recovery ministry a one-year program where drug addicts come and um, they don't just do rehab, but they do rehab and they they get to know Jesus. So we, we met people who had lost their children uh, because of their drug problems, who had been reunited as parents to their children, were actually leading the church and leading the ministry that had that they had gone through, which I'd never seen before. You never see the, the homeless person in the line for the soup kitchen, come back and and run the show two years down the line. But that's what was happening here. We saw people with real peace and and real joy who were actively sacrificing of their time and money to to help the community around them. And we saw 
people that had abundant life. The saying was, uh, my life is the best it's ever been, which, which was like, wow, is my life the best it's ever been? Or if it's not, why? Like, why, why wouldn't it be? What I would find later on, I would start to, to call that a Christianity that works. After our first trip, we actually started listening to the sermons online. And that that's positive proof that listening to a podcast can change your life. So uh, I hope that keeps you tuning in. But as we were, we were back at home and, and going through the motions of our life, and I, I still loved my job and, and we still loved our community, but what we realized was our Christianity wasn't working. We didn't have that same that same peace and joy. We didn't have that same community living where, where we were bearing each other's burdens. The, the Book of Acts church didn't feel real to us. Uh, it felt like something that, that, that just was, was for that time and place. And, and um, we'd actually experienced something of the Book of Acts church in our visits to the Father's house. So we decided to sacrifice our comfort and, and certainty because we had the chance at, at meaning and purpose. So we we were in the process of selling all our stuff and it was easy because we had a house we rented from the camp so we didn't have to find a buyer for our house but we had to find buyers for our cars and we were getting ready to sell all our furniture and like our couches and our our bed and and all the stuff that we'd come to know and love and that made home home we were getting ready to sell that stuff and as we made our list of what we had to sell uh, we got an email from a, a friend and a peer who said there was a Syrian refugee family moving into the town and we took a minute to look through the list, and item by item, it was exactly what we had in our house. <laughs> so we almost reluctantly actually decided, well, this is this is the the right thing to do. What better way to move on from our place at the camp, which had given me so much life and and poured so much into us, than to give our our stuff over to a family that was just moving from Syria to Canada. But we, when we were thinking about what we should do, whether we should move, um, one of the big things is we wanted our kids to grow up experiencing serving Jesus and serving God and others. And we wanted them to experience that, not just to hear us talk about it um, and not just to be taught about it on Sundays or at youth group or Sunday school, but we wanted them to actually to actually see and, and know how to do that in their daily life. Uh, Christianity felt like work to us and that something was missing and and though we didn't realize it until we we saw the the Father's House Church in action I think a lot of people are actually in our same boat I I had often said that my my life was abundant that I had the abundant life that Jesus Jesus had promised to his followers but when I saw that abundant life in in the lives of others I had to admit that it it wasn't all that great and it was because my my faith and our faith lacked fruit it wasn't bearing fruit in our lives in peace and and uh, joy. And it wasn't really bearing fruit in the world around us as much as we wanted it to be. I mean, we'd have kids come to camp and they'd accept Jesus. And that brought me incredible meaning and purpose. Um, but it was only four months out of the year. And, and really, the kids would only be at camp for, for eight weeks. And the rest of the time, we had to ask ourselves, what what are we actually doing? Are we actually making a difference in the lives of the people around us. And so we we decided that the best way to move forward was to come here to the Father's House Church in Oroville, California, in the south side where, where it's easy to find needles on the ground and there's burnt out houses and 
in some ways it's a little bit like a third world country, but it's also a place where this church has planted itself and, and has devoted its its resources and time and people to to make this place better. And we wanted to just see what it was going to be like. So about six months ago, I started there the first level of the School of Transformation, and about a month ago, my wife started that too. I've since moved on to the second level internship, and part of that is starting a podcast, and I'm, I'm super excited to have you guys along. So today, that's that's all to say, that's where we are. That's what this podcast is going to be about. And I'd love to introduce to you Steve Orsillo. He's the senior pastor here at the Father's House Church, and and he's the person who, who dreamed up this place, who, who founded it 20 years ago. He's been following Jesus since March 10th, 1975. And we decided that he was the person that we were going to follow to see if this Christianity that works business, this uncommon truth of Christianity was actually livable. And, and we're not sure that's going to mean us staying here for a long time or or us learning this and, and putting it to use in our own context. But Steve is the one we want to learn from. So thank you, Steve, very much for joining us. All right, so, so Steve, hearing all that, I, I wanted to ask you, What's different about the way you read and preach the Bible? Because I often hear you say from from the pulpit, um, "I'm not hearing other people other people like teach this stuff and and preach this stuff." So, what is different uh, about about the Bible, the way you read it, and and the way you preach it? I believe that what I have to say is supposed to have incredible effect on people. I want people to be brightly converted. I want them to be inspired to mm-hmm. give Jesus all, give Jesus more, to lay down their life. I want them to have a testimony that says their life's the best it's ever been. So the way I approach the Bible is what Jesus said, what the how the apostles responded to that and taught, how God interacting with man how it affects life, and I want to share that. Mm -hmm. So I simply open the Bible to read the story, not to prove anything, not to uh, back up something I already believe, but just see what it says and then expound upon it, deliver it. And as I'm delivering it, I usually don't have a lot to deliver. I usually have a very brief, brief amount, and I trust in this fountain of the Holy Spirit to speak through me. Mm-hmm. My goal every time I stand in front of anybody, uh, whether it's in a pulpit or even speaking to this microphone, is that the Holy Spirit would give me utterance, that yeah. I would say what he wants to say. And so how I studied the Bible is I believe it is a very miraculous book that tells the story First and foremost, for a person in my condition, a Gentile in the 21st century, it tells how man can be saved and brought to God, how I can have a relationship, how I can have a father. And so Jesus being the central figure of salvation, I decided to focus on Jesus and figure out the new covenant as he offered it. Then look at the apostles and how they responded to that teaching. And then look at the rest of the Bible, the rest of the old covenant, to find out who God is. He showed it to me. Mm -hmm. 
I believe that the Holy Spirit spoke to me one time many years ago after I had been teaching it different, after I had followed the crowd, after I had kind of imitated what I heard, the Holy Spirit, I asked, I asked God, I said, why am I not seeing and achieving the results that I see in the, I see in the book of Acts, for right. instance? And um, he said I was confused. And I, I actually chuckled out loud because, I mean, I actually go to him to be corrected and be taught and be encouraged and all of the above, but I didn't expect him to say, you're confused, right. which is, it kind of broke my heart. I actually said, I'm confused. And, uh, you know, the whole voice going up, little kid kind of thing. And I said, how am I confused? Because I really didn't think I was. Yeah. And he said it was because I was trying to live two covenants as one. Okay. And that it was impossible. I would never see anything but confusion. And I asked him what I do, and he said, read Jesus, and only Jesus for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so I read the Gospels four times. I quit reading other people's books for that season. I quit ingesting anything into my brain. And what I began to see was these, what I feel are some of the sermons that come out of me, they so inspire me, and they so challenge me. I believe that if one I'm preaching, and you know, the question being, what's different? Well, I think that when I preach, I'm one of those people. When you look on YouTube and you see the views or your Facebook and it's mm-hmm. counted 400, one of those people is always me. <laughs> Going back to, yeah. to watch your own message. I right? always do because if my messages aren't inspiring me, if they're not teaching me, mm-hmm. if they're not waking me up, giving me revelation, then how can I expect it to be given anybody else? And I'm probably not letting the Holy Spirit speak through me. Right. So I listen for that, and I am dazzled by what God says. Mm-hmm. And, and I have to admit, I'm dazzled by what He says through me, because I'm, I'm so conscious of Him speaking through me that it should dazzle me. It should dazzle... Any, any speaker should be just absolutely excited by what they hear yeah. themselves say because yeah. we're supposed to be conduits of the Holy Spirit speaking. And that's what I try to be. And so I hope that answers your question of what's yeah. different. Why Why is the message different? Well, one reason is I think nobody wants to preach the hard stuff. Yeah, that's I, true. I want to preach whatever stuff comes up next. Right. So... So when you're when when you're going through when you're preparing your message in advance, say you're looking at like okay the next six messages or the next, um, and a lot of churches they go well let's do a series on giving or let's do a right. series on purity or let's do a series on fill in the blank. That doesn't happen here. What do you do instead? I, I just preach the next verse and end up preaching on purity and giving and right. e- you know each thing. Just find out that Jesus talks a lot about all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then when you read the apostles from the mindset of how they responded to the teachings of Jesus, right. how they respond to the person of Jesus, how they respond to the fact that God has come, the Messiah has come. So when you read it with that viewpoint, what is he saying from having been with Jesus for three years? What is he saying from having met him on the road right. and having him teach him? And so when you read it like that, you come up, <laughs> purity comes up constantly because they're talking to yeah. human beings. Money comes up constantly because it's one of the great 
stumbling blocks of mankind. Um, uh, you know, loving one another, being the command of Christ, comes up constantly mm-hmm. because we we bump off each other and end up not loving each other. And the command is to love uh, each other when we're not lovable. And uh, so you just so each verse will have enough of that in it. Where I do, I think if what happens if I say look we're going to have a eight week series on communication with God, then I tend to look for verses to bend to that yeah. subject. Yeah. Whereas I would rather read it and let the let the subject matter, the words in the story. I would rather have them bend me. Then have me yeah. bend them. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it yeah. does. So so here at the Father's House, we do we go through the Gospels on Sunday morning. Right. And then when we get to the end of the Gospels, we start at the beginning again, right? <laughs> we go over them again, yeah. And um and that's kind of uncommon in yeah. the, the North American church, right? Yes. Um what other things are about your message are uncommon in American or North American Christianity? I think we just don't avoid hard things like um, hell, yeah. uh, punishment, judgment. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, sonship is the great um, trend or fad of today. Yeah, and we talk about the hardships of sonship. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we talk about the nitty gritty, and I, I think you'll hear me say an awful lot if you listen to me a lot. Well, I'm just not hearing that spoken of anymore. Um, you know, every, almost every time I read the Bible out loud to a crowd and I'm stunned again by him saying that, it's like, I haven't heard anyone speak on that. You know, I'm 44 years into Christianity, listen to speakers and I've never hear anybody talk about these things, you know, about deny yourself, pick up your cross. I'm sure 20 years ago, people were talking about it, but you don't hear anybody tell the hard things anymore that that denying yourself, and Jesus does. He says those things, and so I tend to have. To, I mean, I tend to because of my methodology. I tend to have to face those. Mm-hmm. I can't skip them. I can't go over them. Yeah, They're right you, there in front of me. You're uh, the people coming to church know exactly what's going to be preached on. Yeah. Right? You can, you can like, read oh, ahead. You just have to. <laughs> it's an open book test, right? It's, it's an open book test. Yeah. Yeah. And if uh, you want, you know, if a subject's coming that just bothers you, you don't have to come, I guess, but because I'm not going to skip it. Right. And I'm going to just go right on through and let it fly. And uh, I love it, though. Yeah, I love how it changes me. I love what it challenges me. I love being challenged. I want to be better. And that that was one of the things that I found uh, because we... We didn't have to come to church that first Sunday that I came here, but we did because it was raining at the national park we wanted to go see. Yeah. We had our last day in California on our right. trip, and uh, we were going to go see the Redwoods or Yosemite or something, but it was raining, and so we decided, all right, we'll come to church anyway, and, and that's when we left sort of changed. Um, like, uh-oh, I guess we found what we were missing. And Look at it God. Was, it was a big uh-oh. That's right. Right? <laughs> um, but uh. there, was, there was the fire with which... Uh, the message was delivered that that doesn't seem like that wasn't what we were getting before. Right. There was a lot of um, there's a lot of reading the Bible and and saying, well, this is what he said, but what he really meant was, yeah. and then and Ooh. limiting the words of Jesus. Or, um, well, he he called this guy to to give everything, but he he's not calling all of us to give away everything. Really, and um, and that that always left me feeling empty 
leaving church was, was like, I, I'm not sure I, I agree with that. Like I, I'm glad that, you know, maybe, maybe I'm glad with that <laughs> pronouncement that yeah. I don't have to go and die or carry my cross or, or maybe it's this guy's job to give everything, but not mine. But, uh, the challenge wasn't there either. Really? Yeah. I, uh, I'm glad our challenge is there and I'm glad it touched you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have a podcast today because of it. Um, I do believe that, uh, you know, the messages we hear all the time that say, yeah, he had to give it all, but not everybody has to, I think everybody has to surrender it all for sure. Mm-hmm. I've been a man with a great deal of resource. You know, I've made great amounts of money and I've made no money. And he's taking care of me. I've had, I've had, the, I'm that guy that has the meager amount. And I've also been that guy that has the extravagant right. amount. And um, I know that in both cases, it's him. Mm-hmm. I have to lay hands on property sometimes. Sometimes I end up owning so much property, I have to lay hands on it and say, this is yours. And it, it, inevitably, he will test me on that statement. Right. And I will lose something. And I will find out that because I practiced it in my life, Losing it doesn't hurt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was never mine in the first place. So I don't know why that isn't preached everywhere, mm-hmm. because it's the most freeing thing there is. The most binding and controlling thing there is, is thinking everything's yours and your responsibility. But to have possession of someone, stewardship of something, I mean, and have to use it for the glory of God, there's nothing freer than that. It's his. Yeah. And you're being trusted. I mean, look at that. You're being trusted. You're being entrusted with his work. You're being entrusted with his message. And you're being entrusted with possessions. And it's his. I, I think it's hard for a lot of, especially Americans, when you're, when you're thinking like, well, what, what I've got is because I've, I've earned it. And, mm-hmm. and so then turning around and giving it feels like, feels, feels like you're losing something of yourself, right? Right. But, so switching gears a little bit, um, right. in this podcast, we're going to talk a, a lot about the church, the big C church as a whole, uh, the body of Christ, right. um, specifically in North America and the West, because it seems like, uh, I say North America cause I came from Canada, even though I'm American too. Right. But, um, but it seems like we've might've lost a little bit of what the purpose of the body of Christ, the big C church is. Um, what do you, what do you hear Jesus saying about what the purpose of, of the church is? The you purpose can, you can take uh, a second to the purpose to of to. the church in the big C worldwide is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It really isn't to teach the blessings of God in the world or any of those things. It's to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and make disciples. And that's really the purpose. Mm-hmm. That's the calling. That was what the disciples went out and did. The apostles, they went from far away and close and started preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. I think that the big C church in America, there was a time not long ago where someone said uh, 55% of America is Christian, professing to be born again. And you do the math of adults, and that's 110 million people. Right. And that's a lot of people. Can you imagine a nation with 110 million professing believers whose mission is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine there even being a 
race problem? Can you imagine there even being a homeless issue or a poverty issue? Can you imagine there being all these problems? It'd be hard not to to hear the message of Jesus on every street corner, right? That's right. You would become inundated and uh, with incredible giving. I mean, and we really are. We're a very generous country, but 110 million Christians... Uh, professing Jesus Christ, not just professing a knowledge of God mm-hmm. or relationship with a, a God and, you know, call him the biblical God, but never really use Jesus and the message of the gospel. And you have 110 million people, your world would be changed. Would yeah. you have abortion on demand or even this discussion of, is it okay to kill a baby? Mm-hmm. The very same nation that you can't... Uh, disturb an eagle's egg without a federal crime, but you can kill a baby. Would that even happen in a country of 110 million? So the big C church, in my opinion, is the purpose is to preach the message of love one another as I have loved you. Mm -hmm. What the church is willing to preach is love one another as you love yourself. Right. But Jesus's command was much higher than that in that as he loves me, I'm supposed to love others. Well, we wouldn't have all this problem with race and hate and this polarized nation of differences in political ideology. We would be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. We yep. would have no enemies. We would not be so disrupted. We would not. We would be one. Yeah. You know, I, I've asked I've asked myself that question a bunch. What the, What is the purpose of the church leading up to us actually pulling the trigger and moving here? Mm-hmm. And a lot since we've you know, started here and I keep asking or I keep figuring that it comes down to like, what is the purpose of the believer? Like is, or, or what is the, why do I believe in Jesus? Do I believe in Jesus because he helps me get through my day? Um, because he helps me, you know, like self-actualization sort of thing. Or do I believe in Jesus? Do I put my faith in Jesus because he is real and in that sense, then he's going to ask me to do things for him, right? Yeah. Like, um, do I have the Holy Spirit in me because he's he's there just to make me, you know, get me through Monday? Yeah. Or do I have the Holy Spirit in me because he needs me to accomplish something for yeah. him, right? He left and and now yeah. now it's my job, right? And and I I don't see that that's a common view in North American Christianity. Yes, I don't either. I don't. <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of like when when you read it, it's it's like it's right there, and yet um, there's so much of reading the Bible that when when you read it, then and then you ask somebody who's a Christian who's been a Christian for a long time, um, this is what happened to me. I, I became a Christian and and I started reading it for myself, and I'd say, "Wow, this this means this. Like yeah. uh, this, my life's going to be radical." And, and it's then obvious. I'd, then I'd go to somebody, and and they're like. Oh well, I mean they, they, they sort pull of, it down for you, right? Yeah. Um, because and, their faith is not able to believe what your conclusion was, so they got to pull yours down so that your or, faith doesn't yeah. look. It, it's standing next to someone plum when you're a little out of plum, makes you look more out of plum. <laughs> yeah. So someone whose faith is excited and yours isn't, you kind of pull. The tendency is we pull down the baby Christian. Yeah, like I pull I've, down I've, the excited guy. I've felt that when when I've been at church with like the missionary team coming from right. a third world country and they're just so excited and, and you're like less them. I'm like I don't really this isn't really fun to listen to. No, it makes <laughs> you, you know? feel 
like you're not doing enough. You kind of get annoyed with them, right? I want to never feel like I'm not doing enough, Max. Right. I want to feel like I work for Jesus, and so I should have a drive to work for him in a manner worthy of working mm-hmm. for him. So I, I think I, I want to read the Bible and be excited. I want to decide this one thing. Is he real? Is his story true? And so if this is true, what should that resp- what should that cause as a response from a human beings? For me, it's just he's real. Okay, he's real. Is that story true? And once I decided, which seemed like a from birth belief for me that that story was truth, mm-hmm. I decided, man, you did that for me. You loved me like that. You know I didn't like you much. <laughs> and you chased me. Mm-hmm. I was mad at your people, and you didn't just say good riddance. You sent people preaching the gospel to me, Christians who loved you, telling me that I could love you. Mm-hmm. And if I loved you and felt your love for me, if I could just recognize it, I would uh, my life would change. Well, I didn't believe him, you know, and I don't know why he kept chasing me, but he did. And when I finally went forward and asked him, are you real? That was really it. I want, I want to know he's real. And I think if Christians made it more important that the person they're talking to see Jesus, like why would right. they know Jesus is real? Why would they even believe in him if we don't? Mm-hmm. I know at 15 years old I had an event that made me walk out and say, those people don't believe in it. They're wearing collars and robes and habits, and they don't believe Right. What what are they why are they trying to get me to believe? And so from I, I think that greatly impacted my Christian walk in that everyone I meet, I, I mean, and I have probably had people walk away from me saying he doesn't believe. I mean, I have given Jesus a black eye per se. Mm-hmm. I have not really represented him well on many occasions, but my desire day in, day out, with all my heart to teach people to do and to do myself is that I agree he's real. I believe with all my heart. I know he's real. Now I believe that story of the cross. That means I owe him everything. And the only Jesus those people over there are going to see is me unless I can get them to see him. Right. So I better polish me up. I better dress me up a little better in my behavior, responses, attitudes, offendability. Mm -hmm. Um, Far too offendable. Even today, I'm far too offendable. But if 110 million of us were out there trying to be a little bit better Jesus each day to the people looking, I'll bet you we would get more people to come to us and say, well, tell me what you're talking about. Well, let me introduce you to him. Right. We'd be able to lead them to him and they'd meet him. I met a lot of people who don't like Jesus. And I say, well, I, just a few questions that's revealed just really quickly. They never met him. What they did was met one of us. And they didn't <laughs> yep. like him because of us. Right. But now in my life, I meet a lot of people who like him. And they like him because they met him. And they met him because they liked the him that they saw in us. The fruit, right? Yeah, the, the fruit. fruit of him living in you, of you believing that he's real believing that if he's real, I should follow him, and that that story is true of the cross. And if he did that for me, then I'm owed nothing. Right. I deserve nothing. I owe him everything. 
And for some reason, I don't even get it. He lets me work for him. He lets me be the representation of him. I am his presence on the earth. Mm -hmm. And I want to be a little bit better every day at being that presence. Right. So that when people are looking for him, they say, I like you. I like what you do. Yeah. I'm so glad to hear your story. That's an awesome story, by the way. And that's what I'm aiming at. So when you tell your story, it's like, yes, there's evidence that it's actually working. We're mm -hmm. actually doing it. We're, we're, we're showing people Jesus and they want to come and they want to, yeah. even though you were already a believer, there's more. Here I am at 44 years, many, way, I'm over 40 in ministry. I want more. Yeah. I want to be better. I have not arrived. And so there's more fruit to yeah. more fruit to produce, right? Oh, absolutely. And if that were the overall sea church big picture, let's just preach the gospel and be better Jesuses, be better representations of his power on the earth, unfettered power, unfiltered, mm. unrestrained power to love. I mean, we'd take over the world. Yeah, or what the the thing that most people would say when they they hear the word Christian, it, it wouldn't be, oh, those Christians, I don't like them, they're so fill-in-the-blank judgmental or right. um, hypocritical, but they would say, wow, those Christians are, they're, they're doing what Jesus did. They're yeah. feeding people, they're clothing people, they're, they're just being there for people. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think in the, in the North American church that I, the big C church that I experienced, I, I found that what, like really few and far between where, yeah, um, like I was talking about how coming here, I actually had fun with Christians for the first time in a long time because huh. we, we got together and put a, I watched the church put together a wedding on a tiny budget and, um, uh, and it was just the team of the church that put it on yeah. and love for the bride and groom. Uh, not not being paid to be the photographer, not being paid to be the MC, not being paid to, they did a better job doing that stuff because they love the bride and groom than than if they could have put on a forty thousand dollar wedding. Yeah. Right. And yep. and I saw that, and it and it was just fun. Like we we just had fun uh, yeah. with Christians, and um, for me, it's it's been community that draws me closer. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the big things that that Christians in North America aren't feeling is, is that family mentality with each other. Yeah. Um, but th these are basically like, these are the questions we're going to be going over in the podcast. Um, we've got a whole list of like, these are just basically my thoughts of why are we like this? And, and what can we do to be more as, as the body of Christ, more productive, more fruitful, uh, more in tune with who Jesus is. Um, and, I, and I'm willing to bet that for every person who, like me, wants to start a podcast to talk about these questions, I'm willing to bet that there are thousands or tens of thousands of people out there that are, are having those same questions. Yeah. Right? And they're not, they're not, they don't really know. One, you don't really know who to ask um, through the, you know, the treasure trove of, of all these people that are out there who's... Who who do you ask? Who do you uh, whose fruit do you start to examine to see how their life really is 
behind the book they wrote or behind the sermon they right, right? like um so I, i'm trying to throughout this podcast i want to ask the questions and get the answers from you and some of the other people around here of why is it different uh, what's what's going on out there in the rest of the the body of christ here in the west that's maybe missing um but not just that i don't want to leave it at that i want to bring it to and you can you can live that way too right um just through some of the things that I mentioned before about the the ministries that are happening here, the the people who are who've really gone from death to life in front of your eyes, and now they're they're leading ministries and they're they're pulling other people out of the grave, really. Right. Um, and I and I think the I it all comes down to that word uncommon that we chose for our title. I think right. that the message. That message, that undistilled Jesus, is actually uncommon in North American Christianity, yeah, and, and that's—I would love to just take that and make that a little bit more accessible for everybody. Me too. Right? I'd love to see see people uh, really live more consistent uh, consistently with the words of Jesus, because I I know there's it's like cognitive dissonance, right? When you when you know in your heart the words of Jesus. Um, subconsciously even after reading them for so many years like I did, but you're not, you also know a little bit subconsciously, a little bit consciously that you're not doing your best to live up with to those. Yeah. And it can be, it can lead to so much unrest in your heart from, you know, like, well, I say I believe this, but I'm not will, really willing to be, you know, this person in the book of Acts or, yeah. um, you know, I always read the Bible as as like, well, if I would have like, if I were one of the Pharisees, I would have understood. But I'm, <laughs> I realize more and more that I'm exactly like them. Yeah. And and he's speaking to me. He's not. It's not me and him speaking together. It's somebody else. Thank you, Jesus. Um. So so I want I want this to be about like thorough, thought provoking questions, um, where we just talk straight and and I really appreciate you coming on. Um, I really hope that people everywhere can can start living more consistently um and that even even if this brings up one question of like why why is our our body of christ in the west like this or why is my church like this or why is my relationship with jesus look more like a you know secular relationship than a relationship with uh the divine son of god right yeah. like, um yeah. then then it'll be a success for me so um yeah, thank you so much for joining us. I look forward to talking to you in the future. It's my pleasure. I love talking Jesus. Thank you for listening to the very first episode of The Uncommon Truth. If you like what you hear, do us a favor and leave us a rating or a ranking on Google Play or iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts at. What that does is it helps us get exposure to other people who are interested in this sort of conversation. And sharing it with a friend is a good idea too because we want to get out to as many people as possible. So subscribe, download, share with a friend. You can also check out underneath the show. Uh, you'll see the notes there. We'll have the links to the Father's House Church website and our, our YouTube and Instagram and Facebook profiles so you can check out some of Steve's messages. Find out exactly what we believe here at the Father's House and start looking into it for yourself. Um, but I just want to thank you for giving us your time and stick around next week. 
Steve is going to join us again, and we're going to be talking about a Christianity that works. So if you want to know about that, we'd love to see you there. Thank you very much. This has been The Uncommon Truth.